Tēnā koutou katoa, uh, ko ihu karaiti te ariki, ko Becca toku hauarangatira, ko Lucy, Rawa, ko Evelyn, ko Elliot, ko Toby, aku tamariki, ko Matt toku ingoa. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Um, you'll have to excuse me a little bit this morning. I'm feeling quite melancholy and a bit sad really after a pretty disappointing semi-final performance. Um, on Friday we had our um, upper hut mixed indoor netball semi-final and um, <laughs> we, 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 we bombed. You know, we, we kept dropping the ball, we didn't read the opponents very well. Um, I can only watch on in frustration really and um, so you just have, to, just have to bear with me a little bit and console me a bit later. So it's been a tough weekend. Um, <laughs> I promise I won't use the R word in my preach at all. Um, uh, so we are carrying on our uh, discipleship series. And uh, like we said, we don't know how long this one's going to go for, but we're just exploring what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to be a disciple for him to be our Lord? And that is the topic that I'm going to be exploring this morning, Jesus as Lord. Ihu te ariki. What does it mean for us in our walk as Jesus followers? Uh, you could say that understanding Jesus as Lord is, is, is pretty central to our walk as Christians, isn't it? After all, it's through a confession of faith that says, Ihu te ariki, that it's through that confession of faith that we receive eternal life. Romans chapter 10 uh, it says, if you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a pretty big topic to touch in, what, like 20, 30 minutes. But um, uh, just as a precursor, it's not going to be an exhaustive uh, preach this morning. And I mean that in all senses of the word. Um, so I'll touch on what I can. And, um, you know, don't, don't, don't call the authorities if I don't quite cover everything this morning. On, on, on Jesus as Lord and the kingdom and the resurrection of the cross. It's like, you know, we've, got, we've got weeks to flesh these things out. Um, but I will summarise roughly where I do want to head this morning. I want to, I want to unpack, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? Ihu te ariki. What does that, what does that mean? I want to explore two, two possible ways we can understand that. And I want to talk a lot about the kingdom this morning. I've been thinking a lot about the kingdom because... Jesus isn't Lord in an abstract sense. He is, he is Lord of something. He is Lord of a kingdom. And so we need to understand something of the kingdom. And I want to share something else that I've been learning, and that is that to follow in the ways of the kingdom or to not follow in the ways of the kingdom, if you were to draw a line in the sand, I've been learning it's not so much about doing or not doing. It's actually about whether we love or whether we don't love. That really is the dividing barrier that's been challenging my heart uh, recently. And then I want to finish just by looking at this whole word repentance, that it's not a one-time event in our life as a Christian. It's, a, it's an ongoing lifestyle. As the Bible says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, the rangatiratanga o te rangi, is at hand. So let's, uh, let's ask this first question. What does it mean that Jesus is... Lord. Well, in Matthew chapter 18, uh, Jesus sends out um, his disciples uh, with this great commission, very famous passage, and I want to just draw out two ways that I understand Jesus as Lord. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So when we're talking about Jesus as Lord, I can see two things here. I can see a very big picture, Jesus as Lord. He says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, I am Lord and my kingdom is supreme. That is big picture stuff. I can also see a smaller picture, a more narrow definition, where he, where he says, uh, you know, um, uh, go and make disciples, baptize them, teach them, and hey, I'm always with you. I'm with you. In other words, his lordship is also, in a narrow sense, it's about our relationship uh, with, with Christ in, in, in a smaller scale. So I just want to spend a little bit of time now unpacking the big picture and the small picture. So you guys up for that? Yeah, good. Yeah. Cool. All right, so big picture. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am Lord, my kingdom is supreme. Now, let's just backtrack a little bit as we unpack this big picture. Reading the Gospels in their historical context, Jesus as Lord must mean that Jesus, the crucified Messiah, he is Lord, and Caesar, the ruler of Rome, is not. You see, we're so used to this language, you know, like Lord and Saviour and salvation and all that. Do you know that they, Caesar used those words about himself first? He was known as a divine Lord and Saviour, bringing salvation to all the world. And then these Christians come on the scene, actually, they say, no, Jesus is Lord. And it would have been a very subversive message to the Romans, and hence why they probably wanted to crush them as they did, or as they tried to. So when we think about it in that light, it's, it, the themes are a little bit bigger. And I'm trying to unpack things, so words fail me a little bit sometimes, but go with me, you'll see what I mean in the end. Um, this idea that, that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. But the idea runs deeper than just, you know, one Lord, Caesar, is now being replaced by a different Lord, Jesus. It runs deeper that, that in the sense that all of the power and the might of the kingdoms on the, of the earth and, and all their pomp and all their power are actually being, or actually triumphed over by a very different kingdom. And that kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. The story about Jesus being Lord and all authority on heaven and earth being given to him is a story about how the kingdom of heaven has arrived here on earth and has overcome the kingdoms of this world. And this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy, uh, Daniel chapter 2. Who's familiar with that one? Uh, our, our favorite king, King Nebuchadnezzar, I think it is. He has a, he has a, a dream one night of a, of, a, of a dazzling statue, and it represents all of the kingdoms of the world, and it has a gold head and, was it, clay or iron body or whatever. But as a whole, it stands for, it represents the kingdoms of the earth and all their power and might. But in this, in this vision, in this dream that he has, a small rock strikes this statue, and it says this rock wasn't cut out by human hands, in other words, not like this statue was, it was something otherly, a, a, a heavenly uh, rock, you might say, strikes this kingdom, it shatters, and in the small rock, the small kingdom grows and fills the whole earth. That is a picture of the coming kingdom of heaven. Jesus is that rock. I think Paul says he's the rock that makes men stumble or something like that, this little rock. And the victory that he won, 
as he crushed his other kingdoms was his death on a cross. And that's what surprised people. That's what people didn't see coming, that the way that this rock, the way that this Lord triumphed over the other kingdoms was not through that physical power and military might that they operated by, but actually by suffering and dying on a Roman cross. And you think, what's going on? How does that work? I mean, how is it that his disciples, are, 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 he's died on the, Jesus died on the cross and they're mourning and they're weeping. And how is it that their, their best friend, their Lord and Savior, dying on a cross, how can that be victorious? Well, the way I see it is that at the cross, Jesus disarmed the main weapon of these kingdoms and the power of these kingdoms, and that is death itself. You see, the... The people of the day were expecting a Lord to conquer Rome, you know, march in with military or power and authority. Jesus went one further than that. He conquered the power of death itself. And without the power of death, these kingdoms shatter into nothing. They have, they have nothing. And the kingdom of darkness, you might say, overarching those kingdoms is defeated. Jesus won a greater victory. And so, I love this. It's not just that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and therefore God the Father raised them up to life because he did something wonderful for you. Actually, it's through the cross itself that he won the victory. It's through this paradoxical, upside-down nature of this victory that he, that he is now Lord and Saviour of the whole universe. So he can say, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me because I died on the cross, I defeated death. So we are saying some big things when we say Jesus is Lord, aren't we? This rock, this, yeah, you know, we'll touch more on that. But that is, a lot more could be said on that. <laughs> but that's one way we can understand ihu te ariki. It can also be narrowly understood as well. Jesus is my Lord. He is my Saviour. We were even singing that this morning. And, you know, there's that, that song that um, we don't sing so often these days, but, you know, my Jesus, my Saviour. Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. I think it is this thing. My Jesus. And like, I, th I often thought that's a very like individualistic way of thinking about it. But, but holding on to the big picture, it's actually a very beautiful thing as well. It's beautiful that, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's uh, Paul in Galatians, and he is expounding some, some big picture topics about the people of God. In the middle of it, he can stop and say, Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's like, wow, he doesn't lose sight of this, of, of this truth that Jesus is our Lord. So for the individual, for us, Jesus as Lord also means an intimate relationship one-on-one -on -one with him, and also means personal obedience to him. That we live our life the way he wants us to live it. That he calls the shots. That we follow him, Lord, whatever you want. I trust, I trust, I trust you, Lord. I trust you know it all for me. And so in John's gospel, Jesus can say, if you love me, if you love me, you will do what I say. If you love me, you'll follow my commands. And you can only understand that verse in love, by the way. <laughs> So Jesus, we see, 
held these, these two ways of understanding him as Lord together. And they really go hand in hand, actually. We see that discipleship, following Jesus as my Lord, my Savior, is always to be worked out within the backdrop of Jesus' lordship and his kingdom. And so if we are to grasp what it means to be a disciple, that's what we're looking at, the call to be disciples. If we're to understand that, we must grasp something of the nature of this Lord and the nature of his kingdom. The cool thing is the gospel is full of teaching about the kingdom. I mean, it starts off, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And uh, what else does it say? Uh, Pray, Jesus teaches his disciples, pray that the kingdom would come on earth as in heaven, this little rock would grow. He, he, he encourages disciples to seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about all these other things. Seek first my kingdom and all these other things will be given to you. And so what I want to do and what I want us to do is grow in an understanding of what the kingdom looks like. And uh, I'm a big fan of Matthew, you might be surprised to, to hear. Uh, and, and he's a pretty great guy, really. Yeah. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is a good place to start if you, if you want to learn what does the kingdom look like? And Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, what he's bringing is he's teaching, what does the kingdom look like? Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And off he goes. And just basically teaches a new way to be human. You see, you know that rock that came and struck? It, it wasn't cut by... Yeah, it was otherly. It was like a, key, it was like a, a heavenly kingdom. But it's not that as Christians we are so heavenly minded we don't know what to do on earth. Actually, we are so impacted by this kingdom of heaven that we walk out as Christians. We walk out the kingdom ways in our jobs, in, you know, in, 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 our, in our work, in our, in our indoor netball club, in our whatever, in our marae. Or we walk out, the, we walk out the, the ways of this kingdom on earth as in heaven. And this way, you know, the, when the disciples, they, they, uh, Christianity was first called the way, it was like, it was a different way. It just looked so different. This path was not a path cut by human hands. It's one that Jesus walked and we are to follow. It's truly a heavenly kingdom. And it looks nothing like we, we, we expect. It looks, like, it looks like love instead of violence and hatred. It looks like you know, reconciliation. It, looks like, it doesn't look like tribalism or racism. It looks like unity, or a word I love is harmony, where differences work together in love and, and, and move forward unified together. Uh, it, it looks like not serving our own interests and climbing a ladder or like people at work will tell you to do. No, no. It, it's about serving others and g- going lower still in order that you might lift up the needs of others. Uh, the kingdom looks like freedom and not oppression. And so, you know, I had my work co- um, colleague here the other, other Sunday and he's sitting there and we're praying for him and he encountered something of, a, of the kingdom. He's a, he had a stroke. And he got, uh, within, within weeks, he got cleared by the doctors, recovered super fast. He's been, essentially been born again. He got cleared by the hospital. He's flying back to the Philippines to spend time with his family. And he's just there weeping, weeping, weeping. God, Jesus is in my heart. Thank you for your healing prayer at this church. And the kingdom of heaven has arrived. Like it's, it looks like freedom and not oppression. And for us, it looks like communities of people who profess Jesus as Lord and then put into practice the teachings of Jesus, the ways of this kingdom. It doesn't just end here, though. It just begins here because we are called to be a light in the world. And I'm so passionate about, for me personally, like uh, you know, leading teams of people in the building industry in the ways of the kingdom. 
you know, and, and, and honouring people, putting people first, and, you know, like, is this, and, and you will all have your own callings and individual applications of that. But as we walk out with our feet firmly on the ground, as we work out issues of discipleship, it's always with the backdrop of Jesus and the ways of his kingdom. And I really love that about Paul, that he can take Paul the apostle, he can take these big things and he grounds them and helps small communities of believers in the Bible. I mean, who, uh, the book of Romans, I mean, that would have to be, uh, the letter to the Romans would have to be what, one of the most influential uh, you know, bits of literature in the whole world. Like, you can listen to a few podcasts on it and it'll blow your mind, non-Christian people telling you that this letter, well, it's transformed history, you know. And do you know what that was all about? I mean, it was the gospel message, but the, in Rome, you had uh, the Jews were expelled from Rome, leaving the Gentile believers left behind, and then after a while, the Jews were allowed back in, and they're like, whoa, how do we do this thing? How do we do life? How do we, how do we join together in this? And Paul goes, whoa, here's this amazing deep truths about the kingdom and the cross. And he's giving it to small communities of believers that they might walk out the Christian life on the ground. <laughs> or think about, um, you know, what's another one? In, in Philippi, two ladies are not getting along very well. They're at an impasse. They can't agree. Maybe they're both you know, sit on the trustees board and they can't decide how the money should be spent or, or maybe someone offended someone else and they can't forgive each other. I just, I don't know, we don't know. But they can't agree with one another. And Paul's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to teach them about this God who became a man and humbled himself on a cross. I'm going to teach them about becoming lower still. And then I'm going to give them this truth. I'm going to say, all right, now you guys, you need to work this out on the ground. It's taking big truths of the kingdom and Jesus as Lord and making it relevant for us today. And that's why uh, Paul's letters are such a blessing to the church, really. Big truths, the kingdom, Jesus as Lord, work it out on the ground. Hey, two ladies, you've got to get along here. And so for us, we could be walking through any number of issues. You know, we could be exploring this or exploring that. All I'm saying is take a step back and prayerfully read the scriptures and ask that question, what does this look like in the kingdom? You know, what, is it, what does authority look like in the kingdom? We talk about authority in the church. And what, is it, what does it even look like? Well, in the kingdom, it looks like Jesus laid down his life. You know, we've got, it, we've got to keep an eye on, the, on that bigger picture. Amen? Cool. It's good stuff, eh? Um, so, so far, we have seen two ways that Jesus is Lord. We have touched briefly on the kingdom that he is Lord of. We've looked at the importance of understanding disciples within that bigger backdrop of these truths. So, so far, so good. So there I am, I'm preparing for my preach, and I'm, I'm reading through Matthew. And then I get to a bit, you know, as Jesus does, I get a, he throws in a bit of a bombshell at the end of chapter 7 of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, it's a bit of a bombshell regarding our understanding of following Jesus as Lord. And so that's what I want to... Um, Look at all oh, these sermon on the mount. Here we go. They definitely look, all look like that. Um, <laughs> hey Sam, definitely, definitely look like that, eh? Yeah. Um, definitely not a cultural uh, depiction of. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> um, all right, ready for bombshell. So, so everyone who says to me, Lord, oh, sorry, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Ete ariki, ete ariki, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? 
Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. <laughs> At first, honestly, this kind of confused me, if I'm completely, if I am honest, because the context of this passage is very much about doing stuff. It comes at the end of the Sermon of the, on the Mount, where Jesus says, do to others what you want them to do to you. Leave your gift. Be reconciled to your brother. If something causes you to sin, cut it off. Like, if someone wants to borrow from you, do not refuse them. Pray for your enemies. And just in case you missed the point, at the end of it, he says, everyone who hears my teaching and does them will be like a wise man. But then picture this large number of people, all right, many to be precise, and at the final judgment, Jesus turns them away from the kingdom. And they're like, I felt like we were doing good stuff. You know, we were, we were in there. You know, we were driving out demons and performing many miracles. We were doing good things. You know, we were, we were walking the walk. It's like, what did we miss? And then it clicked for me that I realized that these people in verse 22 thought that they were doing the will of the Father, but they actually missed it because the will of the Father was for them to know Christ, for them to be known by Him, to walk in this loving relationship with Him, and then walk that love out in obedience to him. So it was to do, it was to act, but more specifically to, to act in love. To do in love. That's why that, that, that barrier is not to do or not to do. It's actually to love or not to love. And so Paul pipes up and he says, you can have faith that moves mountains. You can prophesy your little heart out. You can understand all mystery and knowledge. But without aroha for God and his people, you will gain nothing. You know the Bible talks about how there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth? I kind of wonder whether it would be a bunch of people who thought that they were so close, thought that they were doing everything, but missed, the, missed out on the one important thing, the commandment from the beginning, love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And everything else flows out from that. So you can do big things, no love, you gain nothing. At the other end of the spectrum, in the kingdom, you can give a cup of water to a child, and Jesus says, great, your reward will be. You can do small things with big love. And this is where, for me, Mother Teresa is a hero. Her life is a lesson in this one truth. And I learned this from reading her biography, and I, I, I definitely can recommend it. Stop doing big things void of God's love and void of love for people. Start doing small things with lots of love. And it will be like this little mountain that grows and grows and grows. And, and, and we know in, in Revelation as well, Jesus threatens to shut down a major, thriving, successful, pumping church. They're very busy, but they've lost this one thing, their first love. And Jesus says, you've fallen, come back to this love. So that's what's been sobering for me as I've, as I've learned this. Whether we do big things or small things, whether we work or rest, what matters is that we do it with love and obedience to him. And that is a starting point, and that is the kingdom. Because ultimately the kingdom is one of love. Don't you think Jesus 
loved well? Don't you think he continues to love well? You know, when our heart condemns and the Holy Spirit just speaks to us tenderly and just corrects our thinking and he always draws us back to love. His kingdom ultimately is one of love. And, and, and I, want, I want to learn to love well. And I'm sure the question that he's going to ask me when I meet him face to face is, Matt, did you learn to love? I'm sure that's the question he's going to ask me. And do I get this wrong? Do I put my foot in things? Do I, am I unloving at times? Of course. But then it comes back to the heart. I am secure as a son. He has washed me clean. He calls me just to love him in response to his love for me. And I trust that he will grow my love for other people. All right? And I think it was in John, First uh, John somewhere, it says, uh, um, in First John it says that if your heart condemns you, the, that God is bigger than your heart. It's like you are secure in his love. It's not a condemning thing. Uh, but, but we are called to walk in love. So I just, that, that's, I just want to begin to wrap up, really, just by touching on this whole idea of repentance. Because the truth is, we are born as foreigners to this kingdom of love. You know, can I get an amen to that? It's like, we are born as foreigners to this way of thinking. This rock is not cut by human hands. It's another way of thinking. It's a new way to be human. So although we are secure in God's love, although we are washed clean, forgiven, adopted, and all the rest of it, we still need to change our whole way of thinking, our whole way of approaching situations, our whole way of, of, of speaking. And that's why when the gospel arrives, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repentance is a, it's a lifestyle. It's not just a moment in time. And the cool thing is, is as we repent, and, and you can look in, you know, you, you study um, the letters of John and otherwise, it's like, as we repent, he is faithful to forgive us for our sins. And he will draw us in, in another way, in a better way. It's just as we, as we keep our love supple before God, and as we have a tender heart before him, and as we repent and say, I didn't handle that very well, show me in a better way to do this. He is faithful and it's like, Lord, let your kingdom come in my life. Show me another way to do this. That's a lifestyle. That's a lifestyle, not a moment in time. We need to change the way we think. That's what repentance means as well, doesn't it? Changing the way that we think. And this takes humility before a loving God. But secure in his love, hey, we're okay. We're all good. Can we just stand now? And we'll just, I just want to spend a little bit of time just before God just giving you an opportunity to, to lay your heart down before a loving father. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Lord, for your kingdom. Thank, yeah, you, thank you, Lord, that you love us. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord, you invite us into this radically other way of being, of being human, Lord. You... Yeah. You invite us into the ways of the kingdom. Yes. Jesus, we say, you are Lord. Yes. Yes. In the biggest sense of the word and in the smallest, most yes. intimate sense of the word. Yes. If you've never given your heart to Christ, if that's a commitment you haven't made before, then, then make it this morning. He is, he is a loving Savior. He is, yes. he is love. God is love. Yes. And if you put out your hands and your heart to him, 
and invite him into your life and say, you are Lord. Come and be Lord of my life. He will forgive you of your sins. He will adopt you as his son or daughter. He'll give you a great inheritance and he will fill you with his spirit and help you to walk this life out. He will show you another kingdom, another way of doing things. Maybe generationally things have come down from your family and, and you, want a, you want a better way to talk. You want a better way to act. You want a better way of, of doing family or honoring people. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You want to see businesses and government that honor God and make just laws and rules in society. You want to see... You know, you want, to, you want to see all these things. You've got big vision. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Allow your heart to come before him. But know this. The first thing we repent of is a heart that's, 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 that's drifted away from God, actually. Repent. Come back to your first love. And he will show you the ways of his kingdom. So I think we've got a little bit of time, just a couple of minutes for the band to just to lead us in something. And as we do, the invitation is draw near to him. Repent if your heart has drifted away and pray, let your kingdom come in my life on earth as in heaven. Come and be my Lord in every sense of that word. Amen.